Good morning. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 21. If you're just joining us for the first time this morning, I've been preaching through the book of Luke, uh, approaching the end. Uh, Jesus is close to his crucifixion at this point in the book of Luke. We're now in Luke 21. Be reading verses 5 through 19. Luke 21. Verses 5 through 19. If you don't have a Bible this morning and would like to borrow one, you can slip your hand up. Ushers will bring you one. If you don't have one at home, you're welcome to take that home with you. Luke 21, start reading in verse 5. Let's pray. Well, Father, we just look to you again and ask you for help. We believe that you are the one who breathed out this book. You inspired it. We believe, Father, that you are the one that can enlighten our hearts and help us to uh, see great things in it. We ask, Father, you would do it this morning. We pray, Father, for gift of your Spirit. Those who don't yet have your Spirit, you would open blind eyes and give them your Spirit, the gift of your Spirit, so that they might see you and know you. And and those uh, who do have your Spirit, Lord, we just ask that you would fill us even more with your Spirit today. You would fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Lord Jesus, you say in the book of John that whoever believes in you out of his heart will flow streams of living water. The Holy Spirit within us, we thank you for the stream of living water that's in our hearts through faith in Christ. And we just ask you for a powerful stream in our hearts this morning, Lord. And you would teach us through this portion of your word. I just ask you for help as I preach, Lord. Uh, I am a sinner saved by grace alone. Need your help as I preach, and I thank you for it now. In the name of Jesus, amen. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness." Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Amen. Luke chapter 21 is basically 
one long teaching from Jesus. It starts right here in the passage we just read, and it continues to the end of this chapter. This teaching was also recorded in different forms in the books of Matthew and Mark, and people call this teaching here the Olivet Discourse because Matthew and Mark say that Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives when he gave it. Jesus was just a few days from his death here, teaching daily in the temple, and in the evenings, Jesus and his disciples would would head out of Jerusalem toward the east. They would walk through the Kidron Valley. They would walk back over the Mount of Olives to Bethany, where they would stay the night, and in the morning, they would return. And on one of those trips, either to or from the temple, while on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave this teaching. And throughout this teaching, teaching here in this chapter, Jesus was speaking about future things. Things that at this point in time, in first century AD, were all still to come. Jesus talks here in this chapter about two primary future things, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and his second coming. A lot of what Jesus says in this chapter has to do with the destruction of the temple, which at this point in time had not yet taken place, but it would soon. About 40 years after Jesus spoke these words here, in A.D. 70, the temple would be destroyed. And Jesus talks a lot about the destruction of the temple in this chapter, but Jesus also talks in this chapter about his second coming, his future return to earth, which has still not yet taken place. And man, th- this chapter can be tricky to interpret because you, you don't always know which of those two things Jesus is talking about. Jesus, he moves pretty freely here in this chapter between those two big events. A lot of what he says here clearly has to do with the end of the temple in AD 70, but, but then all of a sudden, he, he's clearly talking about his second coming. And at other times, it's, it's hard to, to tell which of those two things he's talking about. And on many occasions in this chapter, he's talking about both of those things at once. And, and most scholars believe that Jesus moves freely in this chapter between those two big events here because in the mind of Jesus, the things that would accompany those two events would in some ways be similar. Jesus knows here that there would be a similar type of devastation in both of those events. With the temple, a a devastation on on just the nation of Israel. And with the return of Jesus, a, a devastation on the whole world. But a similar type of devastation. And a similar type of judgment with both of those events. With, with the temple, a judgment from God on just the sin of Israel. And, and with the coming of Jesus, a judgment from God on the sin of the whole world. But, but a similar type of judgment in both of those things. And, and also similar signs leading up to both of those things. And, and also a similar persecution leading up to both of those things. Two big events in human history here, separated by by many centuries, and yet in the mind of Jesus, they would in some ways be similar. The end of the temple would in some ways foreshadow the end of the world. 
the end of the temple would, would in some ways be a small picture. A very tiny foretaste of the end of the world. It's almost as if Jesus here in this chapter, you know, it's almost like he's, he's staring out into the future from, from his vantage point here in first, the first century, and he sees these two big mountains in the distance, one in front of the other, the destruction of the temple and his second coming. The mountain on the near horizon, the destruction of the temple, was smaller than the mountain on the, on the far horizon, the, the coming of, of his return to earth. But, but the mountains were, were similar in some ways. And Jesus focuses a lot of his attention here in this chapter on the mountain in front, describing the destruction of the temple. But that other mountain, his second coming is always looming in the background. And a lot of what Jesus says here about the first mountain also pertains to the second mountain. And Jesus occasionally here in this chapter, he just shifts his, his focus entirely to the second mountain. And he starts talking exclusively about his second coming. And man, with all the different details here in this chapter and all that's going on, listen, it is very easy to miss the main point. And I do believe that there is a simple main point here in this entire chapter. One simple message that Jesus meant to communicate to all of his disciples, his followers that were here with him on the Mount of Olives, his followers here with him this morning. One simple central message. And here it is. Difficult times will come. Be prepared. And hold fast to the end. Difficult times will come. Be prepared. And hold fast to the end. Let's just walk our way through this thing for a minute. Luke says in verse 5 that some people were speaking to Jesus here about the temple. Matthew and Mark tell us that with some of Jesus' disciples, they were admiring the temple. Talking about how wonderful the buildings were and, and the stones were. From the top of the Mount of Olives, man, you, you had this amazing view of the temple. You ever, um, uh, you know how most highways, a lot of highways will have these scenic overlooks. You pull off to the side and there's some dramatic view out there in front of you. Well, the, the Mount of Olives was a scenic overlook. You, you could look from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley and see the temple in Jerusalem on the other side of the Kidron Valley. And man, the, the temple at this point in human history was absolutely breathtaking. Massive marble stones. Some of the stones as big as boxcars. More than 40 feet long, weighing over 100 tons each. And the temple was lined with gold. And, and, and decorated with, with different jewels and gifts that the Jewish people had brought to beautify the temple. Tacitus, the Roman historian, he said that the temple in Jerusalem was immensely opulent. 
Josephus, the Jewish historian, he said, quote, the whole temple was worthy of admiration, for it was completely covered with gold plates, which, when the sun was shining on them, glittered so dazzlingly that they blinded the eyes of the beholders, as when one gazed at the sun's rays themselves, and the blocks of marble were of such pure white that to strangers who had never previously seen the temple from a distance, it looked like a mountain of snow. You can just picture these disciples with Jesus on the Mount of Olives, looking across the Kidron Valley at the temple over there, this mountain of snow. Jesus, look at that thing. Look at that beautiful, beautiful temple. But Jesus says in verse 6, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. That magnificent structure over there in Jerusalem will soon be demolished. Jesus has prophesied several times here in the book of Luke that God's judgment would soon fall on Israel for her hardness of heart, for her, for her rejection of, of him as, as the Messiah. And Jesus just predicted it again right there. That temple over there will come down. And when you think about that temple in Jerusalem, that, that physical building there, that temple had served its purpose. You know, for a time, that temple had been God's dwelling place here on this earth. That temple was the place where the very glory of God had resided for many, many years. But that temple, that building, had always been pointing forward to a better temple to come. The temple had always been preparing people's hearts for a much greater temple to come. And that greater temple was Christ. The true and perfect temple in which the God of this universe was now residing. God in human flesh. Jesus, the true and perfect temple. And that physical building there in Jerusalem, that thing had served its purpose. The greater temple was now here. And that building was now obsolete, part of an old covenant system that was passing away very quickly. And Jesus, Jesus, the true and perfect temple standing on the Mount of Olives now prophesies that that temple will soon come down. And it did come down. Roughly 40 years after Jesus said it would. The Romans came in, surrounded Jerusalem, set the temple on fire, and absolutely raised it to the ground. Stone upon stone. And these disciples on the Mount of Olives, man, they hear Jesus predict this coming destruction of the temple. And look again at what they say in verse 7. They say, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign? When these things are about to take place. And 
Man, that is a very important question in this chapter. That is the question that gets Jesus talking for the remainder of this chapter. You have to kind of keep that question in the back of your mind as you move through this chapter. The disciples were clearly referring to there to the destruction of the temple in their day. They recognize the importance of what Jesus just said about the fall of the temple and they now want to know when will these things be, Jesus, and what will be the sign when these things take place? And Jesus answers their question. A lot of what Jesus now says here in this chapter, it will pertain to the end of that temple in A.D. 70. But listen, Jesus won't just be talking here about the end of the temple. No, his language here, it extends beyond the temple to the end of the world. And in this passage we're looking at today, Jesus gives us four signs that will come before the end. Four signs that will come to some degree before the end of that temple in Jerusalem. But also four signs that will come before the end of the world. Before his second coming. And we're going to look first this morning at these signs from the perspective of these disciples here on the Mount of Olives. We're going to think about how these signs pertain to the end of the temple in their day. And then we'll look at these signs from our perspective and think about how they might pertain to the end of the world in our day. You know, it's easy for us to to look at things like this just from our perspective and just apply them to the end of the world. I mean, you read through this chapter and man, you hear some language here and you think that's the end of the world language and most of the time it is. But you don't want to jump there too quickly. You don't want to just skip right over the historical context. Jesus did not speak those words there just for you and me. No, Jesus was speaking those words there to real people living in a real historical situation. He was speaking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. Knowing that that temple was coming down, wondering when it would come down, looking for some signs, Lord, how will we know when that temple's coming down? And Jesus very graciously answers their question here, gives them several signs here that would come before the end of the temple. So let's think about these signs in relation to the end of the temple. The first sign that Jesus says here would come before the end of the temple, false claims. You look at verse 8, Jesus says, see that, you're not, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. Disciples, here on the Mount of Olives, disciples, during the remaining years before the destruction of that temple there, when I am no longer physically with you here on this earth, many imposters will come and claim to be the Messiah. They will claim to be me at times. They will claim to you that the end of the world is at hand. <laughs> Listen, our generation right now, we do not have a corner on the market when it comes to crazy people. <laughs> 
false messiahs, false Jesus figures. I mean, we got our share of them, for sure. We don't have the corner of the market on that. The first century had them too. And a lot of them right before the fall of the temple. Josephus, the historian, he said that during the years right before the temple's destruction, false messiahs flourished in Israel. Flourished in Israel. Many of them claiming to be Jesus Christ. And when the Romans finally surrounded Jerusalem and were put Jerusalem under this long several year siege, many of those imposters declared that the end of the world was here. And Jesus is saying to his disciples here, they are coming. They're coming. They're coming. False messiahs. False Jesus figures. They will tell you that they are me. They will tell you that the end of the world is at hand. Do not believe them. Do not follow them. Do not be led astray disciples because they're wackos. Do not follow them. And a second sign here that would come before the end of the temple, social and political chaos. You look at verse 9. And when you hear of wars and tumults, disciples, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Verse 10, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Before that temple comes down over their disciples. Wars and tumults, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And man, these disciples here on the Mount of Olives, they experience that type of stuff. Not on a worldwide scale, but definitely on a local scale. The tumultuous and very bloody reigns of both Nero and Vespasian in AD 60 to 70. A violent Jewish insurrection against Rome in A.D. 66. And the eventual Roman several year siege of Jerusalem. Jesus knows here that this upheaval is coming to these disciples. And he says to them here, do not be terrified. When you hear about it, don't be terrified. When it comes, don't be terrified. I know that it's coming. I actually appointed it. Nothing happens on this earth that God hasn't first appointed to happen. Jesus says, I know it's coming. I've appointed it to happen. It must happen, Jesus says. I will still be in control. I will be with you disciples in the Spirit. Do not be terrified. And a third sign that would come before the end of the temple, natural disasters and cosmic irregularities or cosmic anomalies. Look at verse 11. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. And these disciples here, they also experienced some of that stuff too in the 40 years before the fall of the temple. 
Once again, not, not on a, a massive worldwide scale, but definitely on a smaller scale. A very powerful tremor across Phrygia in AD 61, a, a massive earthquake in Pompeii in AD 63, severe famines during the reigns of both Claudius and Nero, and, and, and Josephus even recorded some cosmic irregularities. Josephus stated that in AD 69, the year before the fall of the temple, sporadically throughout that entire year, comets could be seen in the sky. And people wondered, what could that mean? And one final sign here that would come before the end of the temple, persecution. You look at verse 12. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And verse 16, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. And man, you go through the book of Acts in the Bible and, and, and you look at what happened to these original disciples here during that 40-year period between the time when Jesus ascended back into heaven and when the temple fell. You, you look at the book of Acts, you look at that time, that 40-year period. There it is, right there in those verses. Persecution. Persecution. Disciples delivered up to synagogues and prisons to be whipped and beaten and stoned. Dragged before kings and governors. Paul ending up in prison before Felix and before Agrippa and in chains on his way to Caesar. This disciples betrayed at times even by their own parents and relatives and friends just like Jesus. And Many disciples killed just like Jesus. You realize, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, looking at the temple, do you realize all of the 12 disciples are probably right there? He is telling them, this is coming. This is coming. And it did. Do you know that out of those 12 original disciples, one hanged himself, Judas... One died in exile, the Apostle John, and ten of them were martyred for Christ's sake. Martyred. Stephen was also stoned. Paul was beheaded. And many others were also killed during that period of time. Nero himself killed scores of Christians. And Jesus sees it coming for these disciples. For these disciples, for these disciples right in front of him, Jesus sees it coming. Before the fall of that temple, disciples, persecution. But look in verse 13 at what Jesus says the persecution will do. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. 
Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate before and how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom in that moment which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. That persecution, disciples, that's coming to you, that right there will be your opportunity to tell people about me. Your persecution will advance the gospel. So settle in your minds, disciples. You won't meditate beforehand. You're not going to practice the speech when you get up in front of these people in your moment of persecution. No, Jesus says, saying here, trust me, trust me, trust me. I will give you a mouth. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you the words. And isn't that a miraculous statement because Jesus wouldn't be on earth anymore? He'd be gone. How could he still give them words of wisdom? Because he's God. And working through the Holy Spirit, he'd fill their mouth and they'd bear witness with words, Jesus says, which none of their adversaries would be able to withstand. Acts 6 9. Acts 6 9 says, Many people rose up and disputed with Stephen right before his stoning, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. That was Jesus filling his mouth right before he was stoned to death. And man, look at the promise that Jesus gives to his disciples at the end of this passage, verse 17. He says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance you will gain your lives disciples many of you will die for my sake but take heart not one hair on your head will perish and how is that possible that they would die and yet not one hair actually perish how is that possible resurrection resurrection Because Jesus by that point in time would have already died and risen again and would now be sitting in heaven with a glorified body, every single hair on his head perfectly restored, not one hair having perished. Because of that, every disciple who clings to Christ in faith in this life, every disciple who proves that their faith is genuine by enduring to the end in this life, persevering maybe even through persecution and martyrdom, continuing to cling to Christ in faith, by your endurance, Jesus says, you will gain your lives. And the Greek there literally says, you will gain your souls. You will gain your souls. You may lose your head in this life, but because you trust in me, Jesus is saying, and because you prove that your faith is genuine by enduring to the end in your life, even if that might be martyrdom for you, you will gain your soul in heaven. And here's the amazing thing. When Christ returns to earth, (laughs) they will then regain their bodies, glorified bodies like Jesus, every single hair on their head perfectly restored, not one hair perishing. (laughs) But endurance is critical. Jesus is trying to tell us something there. He's trying to tell us that true saving faith is a faith that endures. 
A failure to endure with Christ in this life. Walking away from Jesus at some point. Walking away from Him in in persecution or, or martyrdom, maybe, is a sign that there was maybe never really a true saving faith. Now, true disciples can definitely have moments of weakness. Like like Peter, who who denied Christ when his life was threatened. But but Peter later returned to Christ and was ultimately martyred for Christ. A true disciple can have a moment of weakness with a gun to the head or a sword to the neck, sure. But denying Christ is not a good sign. And those who deny Christ and walk away for good, they they never, never knew Him. They had a profession of faith. They didn't have a genuine possession of saving faith. True saving faith is a faith that endures. Disciples endure. And Jesus is promising his disciples, even though you may lose your lives, not a hair will ultimately perish. So, four different Signs here that Jesus gave his original disciples sitting there on Mount Olives. Jesus, as he stared out into the future here, saw this mountain looming in the horizon, this soon-to-be destruction of that temple there in Israel. And Jesus wants his disciples to know here that before that temple building comes down, difficult times will come. They're coming. Disciples, they're coming. Be prepared for them. And you hold fast to the end. Regardless of what you might see. But listen, Jesus wasn't just talking there about that first mountain on the near horizon. Jesus was also talking there about the second mountain on the far horizon. He's not just talking there about the end of the temple. He's talking beyond the temple to the end. Of the world. His second coming. Listen. These signs here that Jesus says. Would take place before the destruction of the temple. Jesus is trying to tell us here. That similar signs. Will also take place before his second coming. Only the signs that his second coming. Will be much bigger. Carried out on a much grander scale the signs that came before the fall of the temple that was the little mountain but the big mountain is looming those those things at the temple that was just a small foreshadowing it was a small picture it was a tiny foretaste of what would come before his return to this earth those signs that Jesus mentions here that came before the fall of the temple. You know, we've really already been seeing many of them in our day. And we've been seeing them for many years. And we will see them even more as we draw closer to the return of Christ. What signs can we expect to see before the return of Jesus? False claims. False messiahs. False Jesus figures like Sabbatai Sevi in the 17th century whom thousands of Europeans worshipped as the Christ. Or like Jim Jones and David Koresh in the 20th century. And Jesus is saying here we can expect to see lots more of 
those. People saying, I am he. I'm God. I'm the Messiah. I'm Jesus. The the end of the world is at hand. Follow me. Man, Jesus is saying to us right here, do not be led astray. Do not go after them. And the Bible says that many of those false prophets will come with lying signs and wonders. So there will be something to these men. Some sort of power. But listen, back in Luke 17, 23, Jesus described his second coming. (laughs) He said, people will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes, And lights up the sky from one side to the other. So will the Son of Man be in his day. And man, look at what Jesus says later in this chapter. In Luke 21, 27. He's clearly talking about his second coming right here. And he says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. (laughs) Man, when Jesus really does return, unmistakable. I think that's what Jesus is trying to say there. Unmistakable. So the next time somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I'm Jesus. I want you to just look at him and say, Show me your lightning. Where's your cloud? You got, you, you got a cloud? You got one in your back pocket? Show me that. Can you get on it and actually ride on that sucker? Because that would say something to me. But listen, if you don't see this cosmic power and glory, not Jesus. Do not follow him. Wacko. And it's okay to call him that. Wacko. And man, we can also expect to see before the second coming of Christ increasing social and political chaos. Wars. Tumults. Nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Upheaval. Man, we're already seeing a lot of that stuff right now. Syria, Libya, Iraq. ISIS, we've probably seen more upheaval in the past week than we've seen in a long time. A massacre in Paris, a massacre at the Radisson Blue Hotel in Mali, warnings in Brussels. And that stuff will increase as the end approaches. And Jesus says to us here in this passage, when you hear about those things Do not be terrified. When you see them around you and you even have to enter into them, do not be terrified. Jesus knows that they will happen. He's telling you here that they will. Jesus has appointed everything that will happen sovereignly. Jesus will still be in control when they do happen. Jesus will be with you, Christian, when they do happen. Do not be terrified. The next time you hear a TV report about ISIS, do not be terrified. Do not do it, Christian. Do not do it. The one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Stand up and be strong by the grace of God. Man, if we cannot stand up and be strong when we see it on TV, we will not do it when we see it in person. 
Be strong by the grace of God. We will see more of that stuff before the coming of Christ. And we'll also see before the return of Christ increasing natural disasters and cosmic anomalies. Earthquakes, famines, disease, terrors. Jesus says, terrors, signs from heaven. Eventually on a massive worldwide scale. Look later in this chapter at verse 25. Jesus is clearly talking about his second coming here. And he says, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars. And on the earth distress of nations in perplexity. Because of the roaring of the sea and waves. People fainting with fear. And with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, Jesus says. Matthew 24 says, The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. And we will also see increasing persecution. We already see Christians being persecuted around the world right now. That's one of the major ways that God is advancing the gospel around the globe through persecution. I preached on it a couple Sundays ago. Persecution, it is a God-appointed means for spreading the gospel around the globe. And we'll see more persecution in the days ahead. We will see more martyrdoms in the days ahead. Jesus says here, you will be hated by all. Meaning, I think, that you Christians will be hated by people from all nations. The gospel will go to all nations, but Christians will also be hated by people in all nations. And Jesus says to us here, that will be your opportunity. That will be your opportunity to bear witness. Tell them about me. Tell them about me. And set your face, Christian, to endure to the end. No matter what might come your way. Don't meditate beforehand on what you'll say in those moments of persecution, if and when they do come to you. Jesus is saying here, I will fill your mouth. You seek to be faithful, I'll put the words in your mouth. Tell them about me and persevere. And we will see those signs right there more and more before the return of Christ. Those things, when they do come, they shouldn't surprise us. Jesus just told us about them. So don't throw your hands up and say, oh no, the world's random and chaotic. What's going on? Jesus is losing. No, he's not. Don't throw your hands up and say, Satan is ruling the world. Oh my word. Don't give Satan that much credit. Jesus is still in control. He still rules the world. He's still with you, Christian. He, he just told you this is the way it's going to be. Man. There will eventually be on this earth what the Bible calls a great tribulation. Now I know some of you believe that Christians will be raptured before that and not go through the great tribulation. And man, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you have nailed it right there. I hope you are right, because if you are right, we will all be together looking at the great tribulation from high up in the sky. And that's where I want to see the great tribulation. I hope you've nailed it. But I 
don't personally believe that Christians will be removed from that great tribulation. I believe Christians will go through it. But whatever you believe about the end times, whatever you believe about that great tribulation doesn't matter. Jesus is still trying to tell all of us here something very important. Here it is. Disciples, difficult times will come. Be prepared. And you hold fast to the end. You know, one thing I love about Jesus, he doesn't sugarcoat things. <laughs> you know, he's not like a lot of preachers in our day who, they have a way of twisting everything in the Bible to make it sound very happy and clappy. <laughs> I swear, there are some preachers who could preach every passage in the Bible and it would sound like a joke. And you would laugh your way through the sermon. Man, look at that. Everything is about being healthy and wealthy and prosperous and comfortable and happy for Christians. Follow Jesus. He'll give you a great life on this earth. <laughs> no. Jesus tells you like it is. <laughs> you follow me, you might lose your head. Count the cost before you decide to follow me. And listen, when, Je when Jesus tells you these things right here, He's not trying to scare you. He's just telling you the truth. He's telling you the truth about Christianity. You know what Jesus is trying to do here? I think, I think he's ripping the rose-colored glasses off our eyes. He, he, he's helping us here. He's helping us to stop viewing Christianity like it is some sort of soft and comfortable kids game. Ripping the rose-colored glasses off of our eyes. Man, I, I think we have this tendency to just sort of play at Christianity like it's some sort of game. Play at it with our, with our money a little bit over here. Pray, pray at Christianity with a few prayers right here. Kind of pray at Christianity in our life groups right here. Yeah, sure, the, 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 the lost are going to hell, but we're, but we're playing a game. Man, those things right there in that passage, that's not a game. Man, that, 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 those things right there, those are deep waters. That right there is some tough as nails, nitty gritty, smack you in the face, blood, sweat, and tears, authentic Christianity. Not a game. Man, you, you can't just sort of play at Christianity and make it through that stuff. No way. Deep waters there. And Jesus graciously tells us about them in advance right there, not to scare you but to prepare you so, so that you will be ready, so, so that you will be ready to, to swim when those deep waters hit you. He's graciously helping us to prepare right there. Man, when, when, those, when those hard times right there really hit the fan in our world, do you realize that many professing Christians will fall away from Christ? They will walk away from him in a heartbeat. The Bible talks about a great falling away. It's, it's already happening through persecutions and hard times. There's a sifting going on. God knows how to sift. And he's even now separating wheat from the chaff. Man, you know, many of those people who will fall away from Christ, they will fall away because they never prepared for hard times beforehand. 
They thought Christianity was some sort of game. Christ died to give me a good job in a big IRA. And if you think Christianity is some sort of game, you, you just need to say you believe in Jesus and, and then you enjoy a comfortable life. Well, the first time you begin to see that stuff right there, the first time your life is threatened for your connections with Jesus Christ, you will tuck your tail and run as fast as you can. And many professing Christians will do it. Richard Wormbrand, who spent 14 years in a Romanian prison, he said, nobody makes it through persecution who has not prepared for it ahead of time. And man, Jesus is helping us right there to prepare for it. Before I return, disciples, difficult times will come. Be ready. Do not be terrified. Don't be led astray. Use your opportunities. Use your persecution to bear witness and hold fast to the end. Hold fast to Christ. He's the only way anybody makes it through any of that stuff. If you don't truly trust in Christ, that stuff right there will destroy you. But if you do truly trust in Christ, your sins are now forgiven. Jesus loves you. His spirit lives in you. He will be with you through all the hard times. He will supply you with daily grace you need to persevere to the end. Come hell or high water, you might lose your head, but you will gain your soul. Not one hair will ultimately perish because to die in Christ, as Paul said, is nothing but gain. Do you believe that? Father, we thank you for your word. It cuts through. Cuts through, Lord, just um, wrong thinking we have, misconceptions we have. Lord, it's so easy to get tied up with so many details, miss the main point. Lord, we know this is a warning from you about future times. However we look at it, this is a warning about difficult future times. We thank you that you are sovereign over those things, you are Lord over those things, they do not surprise you. You tell us right now that they're coming, you will give us grace to stand. We know you will use those difficult times to sift this earth and, and winnow the chaff in the wheat. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us daily grace to hold fast and to fight our fights well by the grace of God. Will you give us that grace, Lord God, to run. May we not be as sleepers in our Christian lives, meanders in our Christian lives. Will you give us grace, Lord God, so that we might run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Lord, help us, we pray. We thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.